I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are talking tennis tech. I love how much our industry has learned to pivot during this crazy pandemic. We've seen so many cool new opportunities come up in the world of tennis, new products, new services, new options for play. And this week we're going to be highlighting something called Racket stats. And our guest is Andy Durham. Andy's been involved in the tennis world for decades. I don't want to give away his age, but um, he has been around for a while. And one of the things that he saw missing in tennis was an effective way to track matches. And so he has developed a technology that he's using with coaches, uh, junior coaches, with college coaches, with professional coaches and players to help them really understand what's going on in their matches so that they can use that information in their sessions to improve and do better next time they get out on the court. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Andy Durham onto the screen. Andy, welcome. And uh, I'm seeing your iPad, but not you. (laughs) There you go. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the podcast, and we're so thrilled to have you and to learn about Racket Stats today. Yeah, Racket Stats has been in concept for years. Bill Jacobson with CompuTennis started it in the mid-80s, and statistics and analytics have been around even before that by paper. Uh, there are a number of people who've, uh, Bruce Olds and uh, Bill Talbert, they actually started doing some stats back in the 40s and 50s, but it's grown today. Uh, through uh, golden aces that Federer uses, um, uh, the brain uh, brain game with uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy and uh, Warren Pretorius with Dartfish and tennis analytics. Now those things the pros have access to, but my main concern was that the average person anywhere in the world does not have access to any of that information. And parents are sort of, parents and players and not necessarily coaches are sort of left out of the left out of the loop. And we needed to get something that was simple to use, that was free to use. And that way uh, anybody could use it and hopefully get their kids involved and maybe develop better communication between the parents, coaches, and the players, which is lacking today. Oh, see, you use my favorite C word, communication. That is kind of one of the underlying messages that we try to communicate uh, um, through parenting aces is getting the coaches and the parents to talk more and to understand what each one is looking for and working on and so that they can come together and really form a team to help players reach their highest potential. Yeah, I was uh, listening to uh, Warren Pretorius last week in a in a you know, webinar that he did through the USPTA. Very good. He's got very advanced things in terms of analytics. Excellent for the you know for the person out there that can do that. Um, and one of the facts that he brought up was that coaches in a um, evidently they did a number of studies on different sports of coaches, and they turned out to be only about forty five percent correct on their advice. It's in terms of how they viewed the match. And that makes sense because, okay, um, if I'm a serve and volleyer, 
then I'm looking at my tennis match and I'm saying, hey, you didn't get to the net enough. You could have gone in on this and this. If I'm a baseliner, then I'm looking at it totally different. So our perspective sort of skews what it is and what gets lost is the child. You know, maybe the child is a baseliner. Maybe they do like the net. Why don't we develop those certain talents and show them how that they are improving? Because you know the time that you learned something when you were playing to the time you could really use it. There's a real huge delay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, how did you kind of get involved in this whole issue of stats collection and stats analysis? Uh, in the in the uh, 80s, I was actually the statistician and, and the head of a crew that did all the analytics for Wimbledon with Billie Jean King, uh, Barry McKay, Arthur Ashe. And I'd already been using it for some time with players like Joey Blake, uh, Sarah Gomer. Um, and, and I'd actually worked with Dennis Ralston, with Chris Everett and Martina. And so I've been using it. And I've seen the results and what they could get out of it. They particularly with um, uh, with Chris Everett, one of the things Ralston wanted to do is to show her that she really was good at the net and prove it to her. Mm-hmm. And unless you are keeping track of everything that you do, you really as a player, you're one of the worst ones to know. And the coach is sitting there getting very frustrated. Well, if we can show them that hey, you know, like, I don't know why you're staying at the baseline because you're only winning 10% of the points back there, but at the net, you're winning 65. Why would you want to stay at the baseline all the time or or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's so true, right? Because I know just as a parent, I would sit and watch my kids' matches and I would ask him after, you know, what do you think your serve percentage was? What do you think this and that? You know, and and I would be tracking with a pad and paper, um, there was a big disconnect for sure. Yeah. And anyway, that's, that was the bottom line. Uh, the other one is I wanted to get something that was easy enough to use because there, there are already um, half a dozen good apps that are already out there. And each one appeals to a certain way of entry, data entry, and some of them are a little more confusing than the others. And I wanted something that was based on something that was very simple. So we have two levels in RacketStats, a beginner mode and an advanced mode. And the beginner mode kind of replicates the basics of how you enter the data going from the top down and up. So anybody could start off with a beginner mode pretty easily. Then they, if they like it and they want more information, then they go to the advanced mode. And the advanced mode is a little more complicated, but it's still based on real simple moves. You score the serve, the return to serve, and the last point. And that's simple. Now mm-hmm. there's information that it doesn't collect. It doesn't collect, you know, rallies or very specific things. But then that's that's where those higher levels of analytics come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you are now using this, you, you've been working with a lot of college teams and um, going to matches and tracking stats for those matches and taking them back to the college coaches. And then what happens once you turn that data over to the coach, what does the coach then do with it? Well, here's one of the disconnects is that the coach absolutely does not have time to be sitting down and doing this. They need to have people that are doing it. And that's where parents come in. Parents right now don't, you know, they have the the role of paying the bills and driving the kids to tournaments, yes. and, you know, and putting up with all the frustrations of sitting around tennis tournaments all day, but they really don't have an active role. And they, they try to give feedback, but it's not always correct. They, they're left out. 
And through racket stats, rather than biting your nail and pulling your hair out, you can be charting matches and getting something useful. And on top of that, because racket stats is live, while I'm watching a player play, I can run through the stats and say something and go, oh, I wonder why that's happening. And then I can look for it to happen again and again during the match, which is not always available on the other apps. Right. Yeah. Most of the other apps that I've used or seen, um, you track during the match. And then once the match is over, you can go in and look at the analytics and kind of figure out what what went on out there. But having that real time feature is something kind of new. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, it, um, when I was doing the uh, the Nito uh, men's finals this year, and that's when Medvedev played team. So you had that match going on and, and team Dominic took over the match early on. But when I'm looking at the stats, a couple of the key stats are uh, winning points on your second serve and winning points on their second serve. So I'm looking at it by the end of the first set, uh, Medvedev was ahead. I mean, he was up by almost 10%. And I'm thinking, if this continues, this is going to end the match. And that's what happened. He continued to do that for the whole match. And um, and probably that's the thing that really made him, out of all the stats, going to the net and everything else, his ability to do those two things made a huge difference. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So enough talk. Let's see this this really cool Racket Stats app. And I'm going to just put, put up on the screen. This is the link to go to Racket Stats website and you can learn more about the app there. It's racketstats.com. And Racket is spelled with a C-K, not a C-Q-U. So um, make note of that. But um, so Andy's getting this set up on his iPad. We had a little bit of a technical issue trying to share Andy's screen. So we're doing a, an old school workaround here <laughs> where he's he's on one screen and pulling racket stats up there on his go. iPad so he can show it to us. Okay, here we go. There we go. So I want to say while we're getting that set up, if you are listening to this podcast on a podcast app, I urge you to come to the Parenting Aces Facebook, uh, excuse me, Parenting Aces YouTube channel or to parentingaces.com so you can watch the video and see racket stats in action. All right, Andy, we're up and let's see what we got here. Okay, after you sign in, this is what you get. And uh, I'm going to run you through just briefly the beginner mode. And the beginner mode is something like this. You have uh, player one and two at the top. And by the way, you can change their names if you want to put their names in. Not necessary at all. Uh, the game score, uh, we use one, two, three, four rather than 15, 30. Uh, we just think that it's a little easier for a lot of parents to understand who are getting new to this. Obviously, um, most of the people have used it that our traditional players have gotten used to the one, two, three, four. And of course, you use that in college and and world team tennis. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, so the, basically you've got the, you've got the serve, which is highlighted right now. So if it were a fault, you just tap over here and it automatically pops up to second serve. Okay. If that were an ace, we go this, we tap this one and it shows that player one wins the point next. And bing, you can turn that off of you <laughs> if it's making too much. All right, so oh, sorry, I can get this. There we go. All right, so the net, so you see up at the top, player one has a point. 
Right. Now, if you lose track of what happened, down at the bottom, we have player one wins, player two wins. So out of desperation, if you don't know, if you didn't see who served or whatever happened, then you go down here and all you have to do is player two wins, player two wins the point, and next. So it's that simple. So okay. let's go ahead and give, um, let's give them an ace. Up here, tap twice. And player one wins the point. And we'll give them a, oh, let's go through a double fault here. My goodness, horrible stuff. All right, double fault. Player two wins the point, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we could go, there's a first serve in play. Then we could say forehand. That's a return to serve. Mm -hmm. All right, And then player one wins the point or player two wins the point. So that's a, a serve plus one and the point's over. Exactly. So okay. it's very simple. And you'll see when we go to the advanced that it models the same thing. So it's pretty simple. And of course, okay, we got another point here to go. So we'll give point one here. Okay. Now we'll say player win one's games one. Now, if that's not true, if they didn't, because I've screwed up on my scoring, I can exit out of that and I can go and score some more points. Okay. So that makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I tried to design this thing so that when you couldn't screw up too much. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> that I was always all... one of my big challenges too. Cause sometimes when I was track, I would miss a point or, um, you know, I thought the score was one thing, but in actuality it was something different. And then the game would be over, but it wasn't over in my app. And yeah. Yeah. Especially when you get to tiebreakers and the kids get yes. not only the score wrong, but they are serving in the wrong place. And, and so this app is designed pretty well. You see in the advance that it's, we can change by the way, who's serving just by doing that. Okay. Love so if it. I've messed up and here I've got four points for player one and two, and I don't know who won the game, but I know the other person started serving because in terms of analytics, it, the score doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. So I could do the whole match without ever giving anybody a game. And I would have all the stats at the end of it. So for instance, down on the bottom, there we go over here, there is a button called stats. Mm -hmm. So we click that. And first thing you're going to notice, which also makes this very different, is that it says select a category to compare. Well, I've got the boys 14s. Well, very well, I could... I can change that to boys, 16s, 18s, college men, girls, 14, 16. So I, and this is a database that we've accumulated so that parents know pretty much whether their child is in line with where they should be. So in, in this case, we'll, we'll say, okay, we'll pick the 18s. And then next to the stats, which we don't have very many of right now, there's a, they're red buttons. If they're green buttons, then they, they tell us exactly the same thing as the red buttons, except green means good. And uh, we try to make it pretty simple here. Okay. But I've tapped the red button or the green button, and it says your second serve points one is below the average range of 44 to 54%. So it gives for you... For that age group. You're for that age group. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, again, we're trying to put as much on this as possible without making it totally confusing. Mm -hmm. But that lets on, it has a stat for every one of the categories. So that if one of those things pops up, you tap it and it'll tell you roughly what they should be. So if I'm moving my, my daughter from 
the 14s to the 16s, that comes in handy. So I have another year to get her ready and I can use the stats and I know what they should be. And we just say, well, honey, we this is what we're doing. Now we got to figure out how to get you there. Right. You know, what do we have but, to do? And that's a sorry. But it gives you something specific to work on. I that's what I think is so cool. So in this case, you're you're telling me, or the app is telling me that my kid's second serve per, uh, points one is too low for finding success in that age group. And so when we go back to the coach after a tournament, because let's face it, not all of us can afford to pay our coaches to be there to watch our kids play every time we can show the coach this information and say, Hey, you know, this is what the app's telling us. Maybe this is, this needs to be the focus over the next few weeks before my child plays the next tournament. Right. And, and we don't, uh, we're not saying that this racket stats should be the coach at all. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're simply providing the coach with information now that's up to yeah. the coach. It'd be up to the parent and the coach to figure out, well, out of these statistics, which ones are the ones that really matter? I mean, you know, and we can use this in practice matches because Children don't, you know, if you just leave them to their own desires, a lot of times they don't, when they get under pressure, they just won't perform. Well, they can perform in a practice match and the coach and the parents can see, hey, look what happened to the other stats along with the one we were working on because it changes everything. Mm -hmm. So it has a, they're all interlocked and they, one changing, uh, changing your, you know, for instance, one of the biggest problems is got to get your first serve in. Wait a minute. If I just push it in, they're killing me. Right. That brings me. That's an interesting point because when Joey was playing uh, the Canadian semifinal juniors, he lost to somebody badly, and we looked at the stats, and it showed that the guy was just pulverizing his second serve. Well, he ended up playing him in the U.S. Open juniors, and we just said, "Okay, slow your first serve down, get it in," and he won. So, I mean, there are little things like that that you can pick up. Now, I would have never, looking at the match, I never would have guessed that. Hmm. That's an interesting point. So, it's it's not only that you're collecting the data and getting these tidbits of information, but then the coach really has to look at it and figure out which are the important bits of data to take back to the practice court that are that's then going to result in better outcomes for the player. Right. And I'll tell you another interesting story about uh, analytics back in the day. Um, when Martina was getting toward the end of her career, uh, her overhead smash effectiveness was beginning to drop. Well, we found that we saw that in her matches and we simply went to her coach and said, something's happening with her overhead. What it was now you may remember, <laughs> Those of you who are old enough may remember, she used to drop her racket way down at the ground, almost like a serve motion for the overhead. He changed it. So he, he took, she took it back sort of like Roddick. And her serve percent, her overhead percentages went right back up again. So that's something, you see, we couldn't tell what the coach should do. We just could say something's happening. So mm -hmm. you can see whether things are getting better or worse in very small increments. And of course, with kids today, how do we base winning and, you know, the, the fact that they're getting better is on winning and losing, which really has nothing to do with what they're, whether they're really getting better in the, in the long run. Mm -hmm. so we need to keep, 
They have the parents focused on, hey, what we're doing is right. See, the stats are getting better and better and better. Yes, uh, little Sarah is not winning yet, but look, these stats are getting better and there will be a point at which she starts winning with these. Well, and I think that's a really important point, Andy, and one that parents tend to lose sight of because as you said, you're absolutely right. We base progress on how many matches our kids winning. And if they're not in a period of winning matches, sometimes we get frustrated and think, oh, it's the coach. We got to move to a different coach or, you know, oh, my kid's playing the wrong tournaments. We got to look at at that. But when you have this data, these stats that show that steady improvement, then it supports a coach who says to you, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul. We are building a game for your child to have success in the 16s and 18s so that when those important college recruiting years are here, your kid is ready and competitive and going to be a great recruit. Well, I'm, I mean, to, to kind of go back to your career, it, it, you know, you never stop learning, do you? I mean, right. there were things you were working on uh, to the day you stopped. And you're just trying to make them better and better. So it isn't something that's just for kids. This is a lifelong pursuit. If you're not improving, you're getting worse. Yeah. And the problem is, is how do we know really what to focus on? Should we focus on something at the baseline? I mean, look at the transition, both the men's and women's game over the last year. Are we seeing, when have we seen so many drop shots and backhand slices? Oh, are we going back to the 70s? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's because the, the people that are out there, the kids who are out there haven't been dealt with. They haven't dealt with slices and all this. And now they're beginning to go to the net again as an, as an option. And mm-hmm. everybody, all of the players are doing it. They just can no longer stay back at the baseline. Well, yeah, the game's become too powerful, right? Too fast. And there comes a point where the human ability just can't keep up with the yeah. speed. So yeah, having these options and and knowing what works is is a huge key. And as we've talked about on this podcast lots of times before, one thing that happens as our children get deeper and deeper into their tennis journey is the margins between the kids at the top of the game and the kids, you know, below that level become smaller and smaller. And you see that at the professional level, certainly, but you see it in college, you see it in the 18s, especially um, where the kids that are ranked in the top 10 in the nation, and then that next tier of kids, there's really not that much difference in between their abilities. It's those small things that make the difference. And having the ability to look at these types of statistics that racket stats can provide could be that difference maker. Yeah. Um, when you, when, as a player, you're probably never really sure how good you are unless you have analytics. If you know your forehand is better than your backhand and you see it statistically, then when you're, when you're under pressure, you're going to, you're going to go for it. But if you're really not too sure, because I just made a little change in it, I'm not sure if it's going to work. And well, you know, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, you no, know, the players need to also need to know where they stand on this whole, uh, all the statistics that are out there. And statistics are going to get better and better and more sophisticated year by year from now on. And Rocket Stats is going to keep up with it, but so is everybody else. And I'm just hoping that it will keep some of the kids involved in tennis that may have wanted to give up or parents who are fed up with 
you know, little Sam not winning in more matches and stuff. And this way they can say, well, I know he's getting better. I'm working with the coach or I'm, I'm doing the work. Mm-hmm. Heck, uh, Joey was brought up with his father doing 99% of his work. And when you there say are a lot Joey, of people you're referring to Joey Blake for those who, who don't okay. know. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of parents out there who do the work. Uh, yeah. Can we bring the Williams into this thing? Can, you know, I mean, just it, if your parents are involved in it, then I think that kids have a much better support group in the long run anyway. And I think this helps bridge the gap between traditional parenting and what can happen in the future. Sure, sure. Can you show us the advanced features on the app? Yeah, let's go back to, okay, we're going to end. Clear the match. And, okay, let's, oh, yes. Okay, we're back at the screen here, the advanced mode. And first of all, it lets you enter match details. Who's scoring? Where is it? that sort of information. Then we throw in player information, which was not available before. This is this is something that can be done before the match, during the match, or after the match. So there's no hurry. If you get to a match late, then it's okay. But we get the player's name, their initials, their gender. We're going to add UTR to it eventually or, or whatever classification everybody's using. <laughs> The world tennis number. Yeah, it's it's, there's so many out there, and we'll probably select one or two of them that are being popularized because the coaches, it's nice to know. I mean, right now, I think UTR is used more here in the United States than maybe other places, particularly with college coaches. Yes. Yeah, so the UTR would come in very handy, but we have both player one and player two information here, and then we can go straight on into starting our match. Now, the screen is essentially the same. Uh, We have the score at the top. By the way, we can change uh, by tapping the little pencil up here at the top. We can change all that match information, uh, the kids going into it, but you don't have to. Player one, we can tap the pencil over here and on two and get the same information. Who is it? Put the names in. But uh, underneath that, you're going to notice that on the serving side, we don't say serving. Now it's deuce or add for both servers. So anytime, uh, if I score four points and then I have to take my, you know, five-year-old to the bathroom or something and come back and the other person is serving, all I have to do is go over and tap whether they're serving to the deuce or the ad court. Statistics don't care what the score is. So I can do this all day long. Again, see, I think you need to say that again. Statistics don't care what the score is. Why? Because the score has nothing to do with what statistic. What we're gathering is information, not scoring information. Now, there are pros who like to know what happened at 30-30, et cetera, and, and I, I, I respect that. Uh, it would involve a lot of making this a lot more complicated. And it also puts the onus back onto the scorer to make sure it's correct. And right now we feel that we just don't want parents being under that kind of pressure. This is designed to get basic statistical information out there by maybe friends, maybe teammates, maybe parents. Okay. And putting that kind of pressure where you have to make score. I had to do that at Wimbledon. And if we missed a point and we didn't get it right, we had to go back into it, change the score, change all this stuff around. And in the meantime, two more points are played. So I I was, 
I was doing the stats, uh, the scorekeeping stats at the Atlanta tournament, the 250 that's held in yep. Atlanta. That was my job when the tournament first started. I volunteered and um, it was, I was so stressed out during the matches because if you just blink and you miss a point, it messed up the whole thing and you had to go back in. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And it's just, I, anyway, we don't feel, um, we do have plans for a higher level eventually where we can bring in a lot of that. But right now, the majority of the people that are using racket stats are parents or coaches or other players. And we just want to keep it simple because as you're going to see here in a second, when we go through this, we get 34 different statistics where the other beginner only got eight. Okay. So this so is show, us more what we do. show us what we get. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a first serve and it's, we assume that it's going to be in play. And normally I will keep a thumb over the forehand and the thumb over the backhand. And, and when I tap it, you'll hear a, a click or a bing and you know, you've hit it. So you don't have to look down because sometimes if I'm, if they're serving and volleying, boy, I mean, it goes just like that. And if you're looking down to find forehand and backhand, so we made these buttons pretty big. So you can just keep your thumbs over them and tap it. And then it scrolls to the backhand was in play or it was a winner or it was a fault. Remember, uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy says the majority of points are over in four shots, a serve, return, plus one. And so things can happen very quickly. Anyway, so if we say it's in play, then the next category down, which shifts here with the screen, is either player one or player two won or lost the point. Very simple. So we'll say player one won the point, and it was a forehand. Then we go down, and that's, this is where the meat of the statistics are. Uh, ground stroke assumes that both players are at the baseline. A volley assumes that one player is at the net and the other one's at the baseline. Uh, hello. There we go. There we go. Smash, somebody's at the net. Lob, somebody's at the baseline and somebody's at the net. So there's a lot of um, algorithm going on behind all this. And all we have to do is tap it. And all of a sudden it changes and it goes into our statistics as we're going to see here in a minute. Uh, approach shot and a passing shot. Uh, we don't yet have drop shots and other things because the, the screen starts getting so big that again, it makes it complicated, but that will eventually be. And then of course, if we it, uh, tap a winner, by the way, for tapping a winner in air, we tap it twice because if I tap it once, then it's going to go down. Sorry, here we go. Okay, down. I guess it's not showing. Normally, it'll it will go. Let's see. We, no, it's not going to go do that this time. Anyway, you tap it twice and this and it goes to who won the point. And why is it not doing it now? I guess we haven't set it up. Okay. Maybe we didn't go through the point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're right. I didn't finish. See, it's not going to let me end the point because I haven't told it what to do. All right. So forehand and we'll say it's a volley. And now I can go down there if I tap it once. All right, see, it says player one wins the point next. So it always confirms. So you have two ways of getting out of it. Uh, so we'll play another point. We'll say uh, uh, this is an ace. So we tap it twice. It says player two won the point next. All right, so I can, I can confirm that or I can deny it. The other way is down at the bottom, you show player one wins the point or two. So if you're panicking, you just go down to the bottom and you tap the same two buttons that you would have in the beginner mode. Mm -hmm. So you can. 
and just get that, get that point over with and move on to the next one. Yeah, we don't want to delay things on it. Right. Okay, let's go back to. Okay, we go back to um, return to serve. You see, you have your categories. Let's see, can you see it here? Okay, we've got serve one, serve two. Not sure why this is not behaving. There we go. Wow. Okay. I guess it's too bright. I'm wondering, Andy, do you have a match that is complete that you can just show us the finished, you know, the finished match and let us see mm -hmm. what stats that you're able to get from that? I thought you would never ask. <laughs> we didn't rehearse this ahead of time, I promise. If we had, we would have figured out how to get Andy to share his screen. Okay. It's just, it's been a little uh, crazy technique, technical wise. Okay. Okay. We're going to clear that match. So I'm clearing the match and, all and right, so I'm gonna, uh, go ahead. Yeah. The, this is our original screen. Well, down at the bottom, you cannot see it, but on the bottom it has oh boy, uh, stats to a far left. So I tap stats. And this okay. will pull up all the matches that I've done. Okay. Uh, there are all these matches I did yesterday. Let's find. Okay, we'll pick one here. So, uh, let's see. Okay. And this was college men, so to speak. Okay, this is the Medvedev match against team at uh -huh. the beginning of the year. And again, why are we not picking up any of this stuff? Let me switch over to. Wow, no? Yeah, I just think it's the light. Um, it's making it a little challenging. Let's see if I tilt it right. I'm away from it. Yeah, the screen's not as dark, but. Wow. There we go. That shows. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's an awkward way to have to hold it. <laughs> but so what just if you could just talk us through what we're seeing there, because it's it's a little difficult. But I have a printout. Let me get this printout because okay. that's going to show up a lot better. Yeah. And so really, the cool thing about this is once you have these stats, you you can print them from the screen. So um, most of us know how if we have a Bluetooth printer, we can print from our phone. So let's say you have the app on your on your phone. And and just to be clear, this is only available for Android right now. Is that no, right? Andro both Android and uh, Apple. We've oh, got it's a OK. It is available. The Apple store, the Google store and pick it up. Okay. And is there a cost for getting the app? No, right now we've got a, a six month free on both. Uh, the beginner I'm hoping to keep free forever because okay. I want parents to be able to access it uh, anywhere in the world who may or may not have the funds to do it. Uh, so right now it's a nine month free trial on both. So it gives you a good chance to see if it's worth it. Uh, it'll be uh, $4.99 a month. Well, you know, the price of whatever. <laughs> a can of balls. <laughs> yeah. uh, here are the stats, and I'm not sure. This is an actual example of the printout. Now, I've highlighted uh, pink and yellow to show uh, when I'm explaining to people the difference on what Medvedev did versus team. And I'll zoom it up here. 
these are the key statistics that I go by. Um, and that is when we go to, here we go. Second serve point one percentage. This is when they're serve, when you're serving a second serve, what are your chances of winning it? And you'll see that Medvedev was 53% and team was 43, 45, 44%. That's a pretty significant difference when you're serving second serves. The other one is when you're returning second serves. Okay. So okay, return second serves, and you can see the huge difference right there. So then you can go into the report and we have categories, uh, first serve and play percentage, which you see on TV, first serves won and lost, which you see on TV. But what you don't see on TV <clears throat> is the deuce and the ad court split. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the deuce ad court split. Almost everybody, unless they know about it, um, has a deuce ad court split. For some reason, you serve better to one side than the other. Well, we figured out a long time ago that that really doesn't have to be because what it is, it's based on what you do after you serve because most people get the serves back. Now, what are you going to do with it? A uh, common thing, particularly in the ad court, is that since you've pulled the other player off the court, you always hit to the open court. Oh, that's their forehand. Oh, gee. Yeah. <laughs> now, what do you lose the point? <laughs> Unless so, they're a lefty like me. That's right. If they're a lefty, then the same thing happens in the deuce court. Right. So, you know, it can be little things like that. But if you don't know that it's happening, you can't straighten it out. And I, and it, I would like to say that most players, once they hear about a deuce ad court split, they can straighten it out on their own almost immediately. Oh, uh, my first serve percentage is too high or too low. Uh, let's experiment. Let's let you go crazy with your first serve. Just bash them all in and let's see what percentage of points you win. And it probably isn't much different than any of the others. But if you just push it back in play, now you're going to start losing points. So let's experiment. I'm a great believer in letting players find their own game. I can shape what they want. I can help show the, what they think they're good at and develop it. But from a, from a coaching standpoint, you can't just demand that everybody does everything. So you let them experiment with their game. And with racket stats, you can let them experiment safely because you can see the results immediately. What happens if Johnny goes to the net more often? What other statistics does it change? And this gives a huge leeway for the coach to develop individual, unique lesson plans for every student out there based on what they see in the statistics. Well, and one thing you just said really jumped out at me, and that is letting the kids use the stats to find their game, what makes their game unique to them. And one of the things that's happened over the years, I feel, is we're not allowing kids to problem solve enough, right? We're trying to do everything for them. And some would argue that doing things like tracking stats is another step in that direction of, you know, we're just trying to do stuff for the player. But what you're saying is, no, that's not what we're doing. We're gathering this information. We're sharing it with the player. And then we're saying, okay, take a look at this. What do you see here? What do you think you could do to improve your overall game based on the stats? Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Let's capitalize on your strength. Let's, you know, make your weaknesses less weak. And let's help you develop a game that's unique to you. And I love that. 
Yeah, everybody needs to carry something with them because you can overtrain somebody to the point where they're not they're playing a game they they're not even comfortable with. Right. Um, I worked with a girl in in England who was a a good retriever. She was fast, and in the 12s and the 14s, she did all right. Then all of a sudden, in the 16s, the kids that were hitting the back fence a year ago were all of a sudden getting it in, and we worked on her ability to adjust. But you know what? It wasn't her. Mm. And she quit. Mm. You see, and so because it was just not the kind of game style. Well, had whoever worked with her, and, and you know, and back then, this is long before we had analytics. When you have a child, you've got to base their if they want to hit hard and be aggressive, then let them, but also work on the other side as well. If they're more the conservative person, you know, so we see these career changes later on that may or may not fit the player. And with analytics at an early age, we can spot that very quickly and give them confidence so that when they adjust and decide to stay back instead of go in, they know what's going to happen. They can they can see from their, their practice matches. Well, well and they, they understand the consequences of the different aspects of their game, right? So even from um, a fitness perspective, and, and this is why, you know, I think it's interesting that you saying that the score doesn't matter. But one thing about score matters, and that is, are the stats dropping precipitously at the end of a match because maybe the player's fitness level isn't there? Mm -hmm. And that would be a concrete way to, as a coach, say to your player, hey, this is why you need to keep working on these other things off the court, because mm -hmm. it's going to help bring those numbers up toward the ends of your matches. And that's an excellent point. That's something that we don't do yet. We don't break it down by set yet. That'll be in our next version. But you bring up an excellent point. What happens through the sets? For instance, uh, how many matches have you played where you wiped them out in the first set, lost the second set, and then we go to the third set and whatever happens. And you're like, what, what was the difference between the first two sets? Why did that happen? And the more you as a, as a player know the more armed you are at taking care of the problem solving that's in front of you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm one of these players that I, it takes me a warm up set. So I'm a, I play a lot of three set matches and I wish I, well, at some point I'm going to have somebody use racket stats on my matches and, and tell me what the heck I'm doing that I can't seem to win a first set because the older I get that third set becomes way more difficult. Well, I think a little bit earlier than you back in the forties and fifties, you could play the same way against everybody and not adapt an awful lot. Today, if you are unadapt unadaptable, you can't play anybody because the other players are adapting and they're saying, oh, well, Andy likes to stay back and he has a big forehand, but his backhand stinks. Let's bring him in and blah, blah, or whatever. And they change their games. And this is one of the things that racket stats I'm hoping will help parents and players deal with better is what happens when I change tactics? What happens when I do these things and what does it do to the rest of my game? Does it completely fall apart or, you know, so I need to know before I do it on the court under pressure. 
Well, and one of the things I recall before Maria Sharapova retired, you would always hear the TV commentators talk about the fact that Maria Sharapova has a plan A and that's it. And she goes out there and when plan A works, she can decimate anybody. But when plan A goes off, she's in trouble because she doesn't have a plan B. And using stats, using racket stats to see what happens when plan A isn't working and you go to plan B can be really helpful to help a kid develop that confidence in switching between plan A, plan B, plan C, knowing that when they do have to leave their plan A, they have these other two game plans in place that are effective for them. Yeah, I can't I can't think of anything more satisfying to a parent uh, than to sit down and see uh, somebody start off a match one way and then somewhere through it, when they're not doing too well, they try something else. And then if it isn't working, they switch to something else or they go back to the original one. I mean, just love to see players who can adapt that way and aren't afraid to try things. And we need to get our kids a little bit more adaptable that way. And also I can, I can understand where parents who see them do, well, Johnny's not going to the net anymore. What in the world is he doing? Blah, blah, blah. No. Well, they got to understand, Hey, that's, this is a change in tactics and it might or might not work, but until Johnny understands it, it's, we don't know. Right. And and also, you know, that whole thing of when a coach is working on something new with a player, right, whether it's a grip change or um, a swing path change or whatever it is, having the ability to track that through racket stats and show the player why they need to stick with it, right? Because the worst thing that that I always felt was when the coach was working with my son on something and my son was really honing it in practice, but then he'd get into a match and try it a couple times and it didn't work the first two times. And then he'd revert back to the old way of doing things. It's like, Oh my God, we just spent all this money and time helping you develop this new thing. And you've abandoned it after two tries rather than sticking with it. Now you've got a way through racket stats to show the kid at the end of the match you did this and look, you know, you won this percent of points doing this new thing. And, you know, that's a reason to stick with it. Right. You didn't, and he didn't necessarily win, but you can show him that he tried it and he needs to know that. So he will try it again and again. Otherwise he comes back and says, you know, what? Hey mom, I tried it twice. Didn't work. So I gave up on it. Exactly. And we see that. We see that a lot on these uh, going back to the statistics. Uh, we do something else that's a little different. And that is, we have a win-error ratio in every category. For instance, on the serve, how many aces and double faults? And we come up with a, with a number. Uh, well, where is it here? I've got... Okay. Now, you can't see this very well, but Medvedev's, sorry, Medvedev's win-error ratio was four, but whereas teams was seven. That meant that for, let's say he had one double fault. So he had seven winners and one double fault. You divide these numbers into each other and you come up with a win error ratio. Now that gives us the ability to relate to the database and how good is your serve. And instead of saying, well, he hit two aces this time and seven aces that time, and that which is hard to compare, we come up with, well, how many winners did you hit versus how many errors? And the, the numbers, for instance, for serving roughly is about 2.0. means you serve at this younger level, you serve two aces for every double fault. 
that's a good starting point. Um, on the ground stroke side, we reverse it. It's you're if you hit a winner, you're allowed to make two mistakes. But if you hit no winners, you can't make any mistakes. So we try to simplify every category that way so the parents understand that there is a relationship between the win-error ratio and how well they're performing, whether they're winning or losing. And as long as that win-error ratio is getting stronger and stronger, that means that category in general is getting better. Now, we don't know whether the volley is actually getting better or whether Johnny's actually choosing a better time to go in or you know maybe his his approach shots have improved or his court positioning or his speed or all those other things that go into right. it right but i think you know again the fact that this app bracket stats gives the parents and the players something to focus on other than just whether or not you won or lost the match so being able to look at these ratios and these percentages match to match to match, tournament to tournament to tournament, and seeing, hopefully, progress, hopefully seeing those numbers get better and better from week to week. Or if the kid is in um, a training cycle where they are changing something drastic, at least being able to track that one specific change over time to make sure that it makes sense to continue with that change. Yeah. Um, I think I was at a USDA seminar here a couple of years ago, and they were saying that of all the children that play USDA tournaments, the majority um, who drop out only play two yeah. because they get so they get thrown in the deep end, and who knows who they draw in the first round, and they get dis- they just say, well, you know, they were beating so badly that they they get demoralized, and that's just when they put in all the work. Their parents have paid for the lessons. They've done all this work to get good enough to even play in a USC. And that's when they quit. And I find that so frustrating. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that's why we're seeing this new USTA structure with these seven levels across the country. It's why we're seeing UTR have such success with their events where the draws are done based on levels so that you don't have these first round blowouts, or at least you have a lot fewer of them because kids are being grouped based on their level and experience. And I think those are all real positives, um, hopefully to help kids stick with the sport long-term. But, you know, again, I think having the ability to, to look at these hard numbers and use that as a gauge for improvement rather than a win-loss record as a gauge for improvement is a real positive step. Right. And now that analytics is beginning to <clears throat> filter down from the Craig O'Shaughnessy's and the, the pros and all that, who um, who have done just an incredible job through the use of the cameras that they use on court and the analytics that's available through computers who are doing all these calculations where the ball lands. I think it's fascinating. Well, I want to try and we want to try and bring analytics to the to the base, to the people who are starting this and give them some hope as to how to use them. And also the player, because now the player, when they become educated in all the different statistics that are available, other than first serve percentage and all that, they they now can learn to adjust their game. And that's going to be the tough thing over the next few years is getting parents and coaches to buy into it. Players never are a problem. You show a player something, they never seem to argue with statistics. Oh, I didn't know I did that. Oh, what do I need to do? Okay. 
and it's that quick. Whereas everybody else is sort of shooting in the dark and hopefully through all the, you know, the, <clears throat> the half dozen apps that are out there, we can get parents actively involved in it, improve communication to parents and to uh, the players uh, through all of this. And hopefully we can come up with some better results and nothing else, maybe make a player's life a lot more fun. I love that. So I encourage all of you to go to the link that you see down on your, where's my finger? There we go. Down on your screen, racketstats.com and check out this new incredible app. It is free for now and hopefully will stay free for at least a trial period that's significant enough for you to try it out and make sure that you find some value in it. At least the beginner level is going to stay free for the time being, right, Andy? And yep. um, forever. And that yeah, forever. Okay, love it. You heard that here. And the advanced level is free for now as well. So I encourage you to check that out. Andy Durham, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. I wish you all the success with Racket Stats. And uh, as updates come out, I hope you'll come back and, and share them with us. Well, the last thing I would like to mention, and that is because this is so new, Everybody can reach me. I'm available all the time through uh, through phone numbers and whatever. Get hold of me if there's any issue that you find with it. We're just in the starting stages of changing to another, doing an upgrade on this version. I would love to know your opinion about things, where the problems are to make it even easier for you, because we have the ability to make it easier for you. It's just we're not sure. We're, we've done our part. Now it's up to you to to help us. But get back to me, and especially parents, if you don't understand the statistics, you can always text me or email me, and I'll get back to you as to what I think where I would focus if I were you and get you understanding the stats better. I love that. And we'll have a link to Andy's email and phone number if he's willing to share that mm -hmm. in the notes. So make sure you check those out on parentingaces.com or on your favorite podcast app and our YouTube channel. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners and viewers, thank you. And we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. Thank you, Lisa. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.